The following podcast contains explicit language. I want to tell you my secret now. I see dead people. Silent Green is people! Need my sister and my daughter! Rosebud. What's in the box? And like that, he's gone. Hello and welcome to another Slate Spoiler Special. I'm Aisha Harris, a culture writer and the host of the podcast Represent here at Slate. And this week we're spoiling Fifty Shades Freed. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Here to talk with me about the film are Marissa Martinelli and Rachel Withers. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hi, Aisha. Now, Marissa, tell everyone what you do at Slate. Uh, I am a Slate editorial assistant and a writer for our culture blog, Browbeat. Yay. And Rachel, what about you? I am the browbeat assistant and another writer for the culture blog. Yes, so all of us culture culture bloggers are here today. The ladies of browbeat. The ladies of browbeat <laughs> to talk about Fifty Shades Freed. So, uh, which one of you wants to describe this plot? <laughs> I mean, the word plot, that's a strong word to use for this movie. <laughs> well, but I'll take a stab at it. Yeah, because Marissa, I know that you're a huge, I would say you're a huge Fifty Shades fan or at least you very much enjoy you've read all the books and you've seen all the movies now i've read uh, the three books in the original trilogy um i have not read the alternative books from christian gray's point of view but i have i didn't even know those existed (laughs) well i'm sure we'll get into that maybe um but yes i i very much enjoy these movies um so i can i can try to convey the plot um 50 shades freed is the third movie in the 50 shades trilogy third and final at least theoretically until they reboot it in 10 years the series follows the relationship between uh anastasia Steele, who is our improbably named protagonist um and christian gray who is a her billionaire love interest um and they have a sort of bdsm flavored romance going on um, but in 50 shades freed they are happily married at least until dark figures from their past come back to try to get revenge on them for things that happened in previous movies. Yes, and those some of those dark figures include uh, an, a former boss of Anastasia Steele's, uh, and and who in the last movie I think was supposed to be presumed dead, at least by the characters. Or no, he was arrested. Am I wrong? He was removed. He was fired. I don't really understand the justice system in the Fifty Shades <laughs> universe. He was her boss, and he sexually assaulted her. Um, she defended herself, and he was fired from the position. But that did not apparently have any bearing on his ability to continue to harass them. Right, right. Okay, got it. So I, I think it's safe to say that you can go into this third movie without having seen the other ones. I, I think the movie does a... a an okay job of of sort of dropping in hints of what's happened before. Well, Rachel, I believe, is a Fifty Shades virgin, so to speak. Well, I saw the first one. I skipped the second one. Um, but, I mean, I feel like you didn't really need to know anything about this guy's motivations. Like, you picked up that he was her former boss, but it didn't really matter who he was because he was just kind of background plot to the main, you know, the main theme of the movie, which was just them having sex every 15 minutes mm-hmm. yes the, i mean that's that's one thing i will say is that this these movies definitely have a pattern which is like something happens and then they have sex and sometimes it's quote-unquote kinky <laughs> there's a little bit of kink there's a little bit of kink and it's then, how they solve problems which is remarkable to watch like yes. they'll they'll have an argument about you know whether they're gonna have children and rather than like use their words and resolve it They'll like cut to sex on the kitchen table. (laughs) I loved how quickly they could segue to a sex scene. Like there was one particular, I think the most abrupt sex scene was when they were in a car chase and they finished the car chase. They like parked the car and then they immediately started having sex. That was was, like like, ready to go. (laughs) Well, let's talk about how we even got to that car chase. Um, Just because... so so much happens and so much doesn't happen so essentially what the movie opens uh, with them getting married and it's all very slow motion like a lot of things are in this movie there is some pop song playing as they you know slip the ring over each other's fingers and say their vows and then everyone's happy and one of the things that i found really interesting about this is this the movie 
at least for like the first third of it, is all about Anna getting used to, and we should say Anna is played by Dakota Johnson. And she's trying to get used to being called Mrs. Gray by everyone. <laughs> and also suddenly being a billionaire. Right. Even though she was already living the billionaire's life. one At one point, I, I think this is like right after they got married. He's like, let's get out of here. They're on the dance floor. And then he takes her to like... At pro- their wedding reception, let's be clear. <laughs> at their wedding reception. They're literally on the dance floor. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to share you with the world anymore. We can talk more about his, his inability to share later. But... um because that's also a constant theme. But he like whisks her away and then takes her to like his private jet. And she's like, he is Christian Grey, played by Jamie Dornan, Irish actor Jamie Dornan. Yes. Putting on his best uh, American accent. (laughs) Yes. So Christian whisks her away and takes her to his private jet. And she's like, this is yours? And I was like, Really, you don't know by now that he can like do everything. He he has everything. He literally he took her like helicoptering at one point in the last in the last movie, and then they like crashed. <laughs> um, or or was he in that? Were they both in it? I honestly no. don't remember. Aisha, that's my favorite scene. From Fifty Shades Darker. <laughs> Fifty Shades Darker being the 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 sequel before prior to this one. The second, yeah, the, the second, second in the trilogy. The second in the trilogy. Um, but just the fact that she like keeps getting surprised by these things. I I feel like by now, I don't know what the timeline is of how long they've been together, but it's like the same thing every every movie. It's like, I can't believe you did this. I'm so amazed. I'm like he is a billionaire. <laughs> <He's-> <laughs> there were other moments where I was like do these two people know each other at all? Um when they first got home to his apartment where they now both live. And that is not an apartment. That is a, uh, I don't know, a townhouse? A really nice uh, yeah. townhouse. <laughs> it's a penthouse, multi- definitely. It's a penthouse with lots of floors. But when I realized it was in Seattle, I was like, oh, this is not as impressive as this thing being in New York. <laughs> <laughs> this is um, true. I forgot it was in Seattle, too, until they like mentioned it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that, I mean, it's not as impressive, right? It could it could easily be like maybe $50 million. Yeah. Yeah. But um, when they first, their first night at home together, you know, like, she wants to cook dinner and he's surprised. And I'm like, okay, so she's never cooked him dinner before. She's never cooked in this apartment before. And then they start talking about having kids. And I was like, they haven't talked about this either? <laughs> like, I missed the second movie, but have they had any kind of relationship at all? Uh, yeah, <laughs> they definitely never discussed having kids before they got married. No, I. she she literally, what happens is she makes a joke about like being barefoot and pregnant. And then... She asks him, you do want to have kids one day, right? And just like, <laughs> yeah, we, we, these are asking all the tough questions. Uh, so, I mean, this also leads us in. We're, we're getting to the chase. That's going to happen. But like there are other things that happen that I think also occur throughout all of these movies that I still find very problematic. I don't know why I went into I didn't go into this thinking it'd be any different, but. It just seems like it's very static and the fact that he's super possessive and that possessiveness is um, like expressed weirdly through the BDSM in a way that like it seems like the BDSM is supposed to like make the possessiveness okay because early on he he has this like amazing car. I don't remember what kind of car it was. It's an Audi. It's an Audi. Because (laughs) all of the cars driven by the protagonists of this movie are Audis. It's like a long car commercial. Well, yes. And that is the chase. And so they're driving and he she's like oh are you gonna let me drive he's like no <laughs> and and but then later um he uh, when she like puts her foot down after he shows her this house that he just like bought another thing he does without telling her he's like i bought this place like this beautiful place that we passed once and it's like this giant beautiful old mansion and he's like i'm sorry i should have told you or i should have consulted you first she's like it's okay it's perfect and everyone <laughs> laughed at that line that was one of the lines that got a big laugh and i was like what? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's because everyone realized how ridiculous that was. But like, so she meets the the decorator that he's working with. And the decorator is, of course, this hot blonde chick. All the women are, are blonde other than Anastasia. All yeah. the women we're not supposed to like are yeah, blondes. Exactly. Yale James has a serious problem with blondes. Oh, yes. So she's not the first person uh, who has ever had that problem with blondes. Um but so after she's put her foot down and it, this this uh, this woman is like flirting all of like very 
uh, ostentatiously and just unabashedly. And she puts her foot down and is like, no, we're going to do it this way and also stop like flirting up with my husband. And he's turned on by that and is like, oh, OK, now you can drive my car. It's like <laughs> you have my permission now to drive the car. And then he's like showing her how to do it. And it's just <sighs> infantile in the infantilization of their relationship as it's manifested in like um, his being jealous of her, not wanting her to take her top off on a topless beach when there are like, she literally says like, it's boob land, boobs and boob land. There's lots of boobs. Dakota Johnson's <laughs> delivery of that line is so strangely charming and natural. I like, she's, she's easily the best part of these movies. Yeah. She just pulls off this role of a woman who is so naive and annoying i mean as someone who's read the books and she makes her so likable it's really remarkable it's such a great performance from her yeah i mean what did you think did you also like were you charmed by her even though it was a terrible movie i was because i mean going back to this idea that people laughed at particular lines i feel like dakota johnson was really leaning into her really ridiculous lines um and was kind of winking to the audience a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um and also her outfits were just so delightful that, like, I loved every minute that she was on screen. But she'd really taken a huge progression from the first movie, which was the last one I saw, where she was this, like... Mousy. Yeah. yeah. She was As the- mousy as Dakota Johnson can be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, but, like, her look was kind of part of the, like, you know, the the joy of watching this completely mindless movie Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm not as enamored with her (laughs) um i i I think that she's uh (laughs) i think she's fine but i also and i think she recognized like based on interviews i've read with dakota johnson i she seems very much like aware that these movies are terrible i mean everyone seems aware that the movies are terrible but i i also just find i i find her very flat and and not not interesting. I also just can't get over the fact that both of them, Dakota Johnson and Jamie Dornan, are like the most basic, attractive white you could get. Like type of white you can get. OK, like, fair. It, it, it's just like Jamie Dornan. He looks like so many other like Abercrombie. I think he was an Abercrombie model at one point. He looks like every other Abercrombie European model I could think of. Like, nothing about him stands out. Well, he's He's, playing the role in a very bland way, which I think is a deliberate choice on his part. Uh, Odd American accent aside. (laughs) Um, I I think we should also point out that he sings in this movie and that it was the height of comedy (laughs) that we attended. Yes. So we actually skipped over the chase, but we can go back to the chase. Uh, but yes, at one point, he they find themselves in Aspen, in, even though it's like not Aspen in the winter, it's Aspen in the summer or spring or whatever. They make a note of that as well. And all of a sudden, he's like sitting and doing his best, like, I don't know, John Legend impression, singing the song about being amazed i thought it was maybe that lone star song baby i'm amazed by you but i don't think it was um but it just said amazed quite a few times and he's just like kind of brooding over the piano and as though he doesn't know that everyone is watching him from a balcony (laughs) like he's so casual right right just singing a song even though it's been clearly established that i've never sung before (laughs) so this didn't happen in previous movies No. no he does play the piano quite a bit he, okay. That's a very the singing Christian was gray. Oh yeah, I remember that move. happening. Um, but yes, this was a very funny scene where they're in Aspen, and all of a sudden you hear him sing, and the whole theater just burst into laughter. Yes, yes, he was singing, and then they had to make sure that we all knew um, Rita Ora, who plays his sister, um, and the other sibling. Uh, what's Elliot. his name? Elliot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Elliot and they're like we've never seen him sing before what's happening and they're saying this as he's playing the piano like he's right there um it but was... acting as though he does not know he's being <laughs> yes it's it's so weird I'm so fascinated by Jamie Dornan's performance throughout all these movies um because well, well, he he is capable this is a very odd character this is a character with deeply rooted childhood trauma he was abused as a child. His birth mother, as it was made very clear in this movie, uh, she died. She was a drug addict. Um, it's implied in the movies, which is 
incredibly problematic that, you know, these are the origins of his interest in BDSM and his need to take control. He was molested. I mean, this is supposed to be like a lighthearted <laughs> romance, guys. Um, but but it's this is a character with a lot of darkness. And Jamie Dornan is an actor who's definitely capable of playing more dark and brooding. I mean, what else has he done? Uh, the Fall. Oh, okay. Never. Um, but I, I just think he's making a deliberate choice to be as, as he's not leaning into that part of the character because I think that the way the material is written, if he did play up the darkness, it would be a very different movie and more along the lines of a thriller. Uh, and I also think it would be a more interesting movie, but it's not clearly what the directors are going for. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ultimately, this is kind of a rom-com. Like, uh, uh, some of that comedy <laughs> may be unintentional. Uh, most of that comedy is unintentional. I mean, I agree with you, Rachel, that Dakota Johnson is definitely leaning into just the humor of some of these situations. and that. Uh, but, but Jamie Dornan's playing it very straight. Uh, in a way that makes it funny in parts that would otherwise be incredibly dark and which still rub people the wrong way. Uh, he's very possessive in this movie because this is both a relationship drama and then also kind of a thriller with other elements going on. But at, at the end of this movie, I'll spoil it since this is a spoiler special, uh, Anna realizes that she's pregnant. And Christian's reaction to that is so just... It's monstrous. It's he's it's an abusive relationship. But for me, because he's playing the role so blandly and I can't take him seriously as a human being, it, it undercuts uh, some of the tension that would otherwise be there. I guess I guess my biggest problem with this movie and all the movies really is that they don't reach the potential that they could be to be like true. So bad. It's good entertainment. Like. We haven't really talked about it, but, like, we can finally get to this chase. Like, the reason they're being chased is because her former boss, Jack Hyde, is now out for revenge. Um, and he, I guess he's in jail, like, awaiting a sentence or he's whatever. He's he's trying to uh, post bail to get out of jail. Well, he, he comes back in the movie and attacks Anna. Um, right. But before that, like, he has other people following her. Right. right. Yeah. Yes. No, he's basically stalking them. Right. So... Yeah. So the reason they're being chased is because he's there. He's stalking her. He's having people follow them and chase them and whatever. And like that part is undercut by like they have this chase. It goes on for quite a long time. And a car chase, a car chase in an Audi, in an Audi. It is a car commercial. And then it ends. They like they they get away. They pull into a parking lot. And then like that that rush, I guess, of like almost dying <laughs> makes them want to go and have sex in the car right there. Um, and, and then by the time they're like all these other little things happen, like she goes to, at one point she goes out to dinner for drinks with her friend, even though Christian is like, you can't do that. Like, I don't want you going anywhere. Oh, she, oh we also haven't mentioned she has two bodyguards now. Um, Sawyer and Prescott. <laughs> yes. One of them's a black woman. So yay. Um, but so he's like, you have to go straight home afterwards if you're not going to come with me to New York. Like, you have to go straight home afterwards. I don't want you going out anywhere. So she goes out to drinks with her friend uh, where her friend talks about how, oh, you're so married now. Christian won't let you go out. <laughs> like, this is terrible. Um, and then she comes back. And as soon as she's home, some guy, like, comes in and tries to, to, to kidnap her. And thankfully, Sawyer and Prescott are able to, it's, like. It's Jack Hyde. Who's oh, it was Jack Hyde. That was Jack Hyde. Yeah. Oh, that was. I told That's you. why he goes to prison. He was wearing a hat. Oh. It was very, they obscured his face, but that was definitely Okay, him. I totally did not catch that. Okay, so that's what you meant. <laughs> All right, fine. Sorry, I was I was confusing things. Anyway, Jack Hyde is in her apartment or in the townhouse and tries to kidnap her, but then thankfully the bodyguards uh, save her. But that also like happens in maybe a minute. So like he's attacking her and then the, the guy, the they come and they shoot, they 
like you know punch him or whatever and he gets down and they're able to like get him arrested they don't have they don't the have security handcuffs. guards don't have handcuffs but anna's like oh don't worry about it we have we have handcuffs <laughs> that don't a, ask any questions <laughs> that was a funny i was i that was funny like that felt like it was intentionally funny for once <laughs> but like the fact that that all happens in like maybe 45 seconds it, it just kept undercutting what could have been like a really really good like over the top thriller along the lines of like uh fear what was that movie fear with um reese witherspoon and mark Wahlberg, which like is you wanted this to be more like a mark Wahlberg movie <laughs> <laughs> you know what i did <laughs> i mean yes i did i wanted it to be more like a lifetime movie on the big screen like of the of the you know of the 90s where things were just so overwrought and like took a lot of time and 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 the acting was like they really like hammed it up and and i i never felt like anyone in this movie was actually threatened but i mean we weren't going people weren't going to this movie for the plot like that plot was just something to give it like a vague arc if you could even call it that and to raise the stakes yeah yeah but really like the stakes weren't high enough the point though. of this movie is that they have sex. They have sex. Well, they're two <laughs> very conventionally attractive people who, I mean, the materialism of this movie makes it so, like, fun to watch. Like, you just, it's it's wealth, you it's, know. It's porn. It's, it's, it's wealth like, porn, yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah, rich people porn. <laughs> it's the giant house that in the, you know, next to the lake. It's all the Audis. Oh, my God, so many Audis. Um, it's Nancy Myers, but with lots of sex. That's basically what it is. Like, Nancy Myers, uh, except, like... But with this tinge of BDSM. Yeah. Um, yeah. The lightest which, tinge. Which has... I, they've really downplayed it in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, so the big theme of a... Or rather, not the theme, but Christian Grey's BDSM room is the red room of pain uh, in his house. Um, they didn't really spend a lot of time in there this time. No, although, the, although he did wear his sex pants a lot. What? He's got very special ripped jeans that. <laughs> oh, that's where every she time put the pants out. Yeah, every time there's a conflict, he comes out shirtless wearing his sex <laughs> jeans, and they immediately forget whatever their immediate problem is. Okay. <laughs> although, um, I do want to talk about the moment immediately after this attempted kidnapping. Christian takes Anastasia to the red room. He chains her up by the hands and feet, and then he he's touching her. He's like kissing her body. He pulls out a vibrator. He's teasing her, um, and then and stopping. Um, and it's revealed that this is his way of punishing her um, for disobeying his orders to go straight home after work. Um, and it's not consensual. It's not BDSM that she is wanting to take part in. Um, it's orgasm denial, basically. Yeah. And she says afterwards, like, that was revenge. Um, and that's where he takes, like, this fucked up power dynamic that they have, this, like, abusive emotional relationship, and he takes that, their emotional abuse into the Red Room in a way that is not BDSM and is, like, quite a, like dangerous portrayal of BDSM and I know people in the BDSM community object to like the way his feelings of control are like channeled into a like controlling personality that goes beyond their sex life um and I think that's the moment where yeah it's it it is a negative portrayal of BDSM that's probably not quite fair to BDSM practitioners I think it's gotten it's the criticism has been wider too than just the BDSM community. I mean, a lot of feminists don't like Fifty Shades for that reason. Um, I, I understand that criticism. I also feel like this is not like a how-to guide. Um, I can't imagine too many people walk into these movies and are like, "That's how BDSM is done." Um, in the same movie where you know he has his sex pants and the and a car chase with a sex scene, uh, it's a fantasy, right? And I think like a lot of that comes from. The source material um, and E.L. James's books, which are definitely harder to read because you don't have all the amazing visuals. You have clunky so you're, you're just words. stuck with Anna's like inner monologue, which is insufferable, and like Christian Grey, who's like a textbook abuser, without you know Jamie Dornan's abs to distract from it. <laughs> I mean, I think that also is just sort of to the point I was trying to make earlier with the way in which their their sex life is often a 
about like it feeds off of his possessiveness in a way that's really uncomfortable. Like that seems separate even from like BDSM because, you know, we mentioned it already, but they're the scene at, towards the beginning when they're on their honeymoon and she like wants to take her top off at the beach. And he's like, no, like you can't have all these men looking at you. And then afterwards, they, he's like, all right, let's get out of here when she's taking it off. He's like, let's get out of here. Takes her on a boat and then, or like on a jet skis. They go to their, where they're staying. And then he's like, why do you insist on disobeying me while like they're getting like hot and heavy? And to me, that was like a weird dynamic because it's like you clearly were real, like you were actually angry then. Like you were upset that she was topless. And now you're like using that to like funnel that into like turning her on. And I, it just felt like really not right the movie can't decide (laughs) the nature of this relationship yeah like he's clearly a dumb i mean this is like right basic lack of communication between partners (laughs) i mean in the first movie their so relationship is literally a contract it's a contract where he says i you know get to do these things they have a negotiation back and forth they do that in the is that the first or the second movie? that's the first movie the first movie and that's how the relationship begins i mean he's never unclear about what he's looking for in the relationship the problem is that the books and the movies take it in a totally different direction where she's really not into it and they're just not a good fit it's very strange well and and that also leads into again the whole pregnancy thing where it's just like I mean, look, I knew where this was going. I knew that something was going to happen to her and then he was going to decide, actually, I am ready to be a father because I can't imagine my life without you. But like, (laughs) first of all, I I know that I shouldn't expect these things, but the fact that abortion never like the idea of like having choices besides having this baby, because she kept saying, I'm not ready to do it now either. It's like, okay, fine. Like you could still have a relationship, but just not have a child right now. What's interesting though, is that she specifically says she's having the baby, whether he's on board or not, and she'll do it by herself. Right. This was like the rah-rah, like feminist moment Uh, of the movie. I know. And it's just, I'm like, there are other options. (laughs) Like, look, I'm probably going to get in trouble for that. Some people will be like, but like to me, the, it, it just, I just worry about the type of people like yes at our screening lots of people were laughing and i think most of the audience got how like terrible some of these things are when you know anytime she like when she uh when she finally it seems got used to being called mrs gray and she's like on the phone answering the phone after getting a promotion that she didn't earn <laughs> anna's anna's whole career is a whole nother podcast <laughs> a whole nother podcast because your career is just like entirely like not even secondary it's like tertiary or wherever it's like not even in the picture but somehow she gets she's it's announced that she's like got gotten a promotion and then they decided to like revamp her entire office to make it much nicer even though she didn't even know she was getting a promotion until she walked in the room um but just like her talking on the phone and say and finally saying like this is anastasia steel oh no i'm sorry gray like all those moments um it just felt like my concern with these types of movies is that most people or a lot of people go to these movies and it's not just a fantasy. It's like, this is what I really want a relationship to be like. Like I want a man to be jealous uh, when I, when I'm talking to a client at work. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very specific, I'm not sure anyone really wants that. I mean, listen, these these books are, these same themes are in a lot of, less sexual non-BDSM romantic comedies. So I don't think Fifty Shades is in any way unique in having, you know, unhealthy relationships being celebrated. I think that these books and movies are more honest about the lack of realism and like letting yourself get lost in this ridiculous world for two hours. I don't think it's unique to Fifty Shades in any way. Yeah, I mean, it's based on the Twilight books. Like Fifty Shades of Grey started as a Twilight fan fiction. Right. The same themes are there, you know, like Edward is controlling of Bella and watches her sleep and doesn't want her talking to anyone else. Um, and that's for teenagers. Like, that's right. that's much more problematic. Yeah, this is right. at least marketed toward adult women who, you know, are capable of, of saying this is not real. This is fictional and fantasy and it's okay to be in that sort of headspace for a while, but... It's certainly not a how-to guide by any means. That said, um, I wonder if, you know, 
we were in a cinema full of critics. People were laughing at his most controlling lines. Um, you know, he says, I emailed you at your new email address that has your new last name and it bounced and everyone laughs. Um, but I would wonder if like in cinemas that weren't full of like people looking at this critically, whether people would be laughing at this terrifying behavior or or seeing it as as attractive. I don't know. I don't I don't want to make it seem like I think all women are dumb because I don't. <laughs> and I can see how I could that could it could sound like that, like women can't distinguish from fantasy and reality. But I, I guess I wasn't even thinking about it. Uh, women being the audience. I, I imagine. Look, I grew up watching a lot of movies when I was younger that I should not have been watching. And those a lot of those movies gave me unrealistic expectations about whatever <laughs> what a uh, relationship should be. And I now granted I think these movies are rated R so they that's most certainly are. Okay. <laughs> so that 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 I guess puts a little bit of a damper on the chances that a, you know, 14-year-old is going to be able to see this movie at least until it winds up online. Unlike Twilight Right, which is which are like PG thirteen, right? Yes, and yes, which are marketed specifically toward teenagers. Right, right, right. So I guess I guess you're right. I if that's the case, then then whatever, enjoy this this fantasy. And then I look, I, I think these movies are really plotting and slow and do not reach their campy p- potential. And I wish they were campier. <laughs> but I also like I wasn't not I wasn't bored like. I was oh entertained. no! <laughs> should we should we talk about the film's big climax where everything comes together? <laughs> I'm winking for all of our listeners right now. Everything comes together. Um, <laughs> are you talking about the the moment when he like when she like takes out five million dollars? <laughs> I most certainly am. Wait, back there it are, up. Back it up. All right. So there are sort of two strands to this movie. One is that uh, Anna and Christian are now married and they're getting to into a rhythm of married life. And the other is that Anna's old boss, Jack Hyde has been stalking them and making very cryptic statements and leaving notes in their apartment that say, you owe me a life. (laughs) Um, So everything sort of comes together after Anna finds out that she's pregnant. Christian does not react well. He's like, I'm not ready to be a dad. And I also have so much unresolved trauma. I should probably go to therapy. He did not say that. I imagine that part. Um, (laughs) Instead, he goes to the woman who... Molested him. Molested him it's as a, a complicated child. movie. Everyone. <laughs> anyway, so the so uh, and in the meantime, Jack Hyde is he made bail, so he's been let out of court. Um, Can I just say that Anna in in the in the courtroom scene? <laughs> yes, Anna <laughs> attends. <laughs> she attends, and she's like dressed. She's literally wearing sunglasses. That's she's, her disguise. <laughs> she's wearing sunglasses and all black, and she's like. In the very back, like there's no way she wouldn't blend in, and of course he sees her. But anyway, sorry. Continue. All right, Jack Hyde is is on the loose, um, and Anna and Christian are are on the rocks. Uh, so Jack Hyde calls Anna and says, "I've kidnapped Rita Ora, Christian's sister. Mia is played by Rita Ora, um, and I'm holding her hostage. And you need to bring me five million dollars in cash to this location in two uh, hours, or else, you know, vague threat. Uh, she's gonna get it." Um, so so Anna Anna does this. She puts on her I don't know why she changed clothes into sweatpants and sneakers. I guess she was like ready for an action sequence, but she changes <laughs> she clothes. Was, she had two hours to get the five million dollars. And she, and she like, goes home and puts on action. Put on wear. my ransom outfit. I mean <laughs> after all of the criticisms of Jurassic World and her running in heels, <laughs> I can totally understand why they might be like, you need to change. All right. So she she puts on her sweatpants and her ransom sneakers. She goes to the bank and she says, I need five million dollars in cash. She brings like five bags with her to fit all that cash and the guy at the bank is like i'm gonna call your husband um and so christian assumes that anna is leaving him because of this pregnancy and the fight and everything that happened um but he says he he seems to realize something's wrong uh and he says to the bank give her five million dollars in cash and the bank's like all right that's a totally normal thing to do (laughs) to this woman who arrived here out of breath crying in sweats (laughs) Demanding $5 million. (laughs) So Anna takes the money. Uh, She's picked up by a Dodge because the bad guys in this movie do not drive Audis. Um, And she goes to this other location and Jack Hyde kind of, you know, villain monologues about how she ruined his life, even though he's a horrible person and he made all his own choices. And Rita Ora is like struggling against her (laughs) bonds because she's bound and gagged in a chair. Um, and, And the scene ends with Jack Hyde brutally hitting 
Anna several times. Who is we also know is pregnant. He literally kicks her in her stomach. Right. Uh, as Christian, having figured out that something's wrong, is racing to try to save Anna and his sister, Thank mostly Anna. He didn't seem he didn't seem super <laughs> concerned about Rita Ora. Um, <laughs> no, we don't even see her again after the movie, do we? She's fine. <laughs> or after that. Uh, anyway, scene. so he's he's racing to get there, and Anna pulls out a gun <laughs> that she had found earlier in the movie and had the good sense to stick in the waistband of her jeans. I knew that gun was going to come back after they um, introduced it earlier. And she pulls it out and she shoots Jack Hyde. Uh, she does not kill him, but that is the climax of this movie. Uh, she's The baby's fine for all our listeners who are concerned about little Christian Grey Anna Steele baby. It's fine. Getting kicked in the stomach is fine. <laughs> that And that was not a, that was a very hard kick. I would think at least something damaging. That's yeah, I was convinced that she would lose the baby and then I was kind of hoping, based on the title, which was probably very naive of me, that if Shades freed, she was going to leave the relationship. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> Even I. Mean, I. <laughs> it's the opposite. But what is she freed from by the end? Mm-hmm. From Jack Hyde. Uh. I think these titles are very random. <laughs> well, okay, so yeah, so, so Jack Hyde is finally taken into custody for real, uh, and we learn that... He had an alternate motive the whole time, which they were hinting at throughout the movie, uh, which is that he and Christian Grey also were in foster care as children. And he resents Christian for being adopted by a nice family, a nice wealthy family, whereas Jack Hyde had to struggle his way through life. It sounded like a New Yorker profile piece about (laughs) (laughs) these two kids are at the same. It was. Yeah, they made a they made a very big point. Of saying that he graduated from Princeton summa cum laude. That Jack Hyde did. Yeah. Jack Hyde. Uh, yeah. I mean, and then he became, I think the implication is that he did not really earn his position through hard work because throughout the movie they say that he blackmailed a lot of his old assistants who are all women um, by having sex with them and taping it and then bringing that back. Uh, just a Just a terrible guy. Yeah. I mean, as a foil to Christian Grey, Christian Grey doesn't look that bad <laughs> next to Jack Hyde. Um, but that was a strange twist to throw in so after we've already had the climax of the movie they were like oh by the way they were in foster care together we had an alternate motive we already knew they were in foster care together at that point they mentioned it earlier in the movie he said he was in the same system like he realized he'd been in the detroit foster care system right and then they hint that they both were in foster care in detroit but it's not until after all of the the kidnapping and shooting Hyde. There afterward, Christian is cooking because this apartment does have a kitchen, and they want to remind us of that as much as possible. Um, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, the file is over there with all of Hyde's information." They open it, and they're like, "Oh, there, there's you and him in the same photo." Oh, see, I just assumed. I mean, also just concerning this movie. There's no subtlety in this movie. I assumed when they first said that, I was like, oh, okay. I thought maybe even they could be like bro- like secret brothers yeah. who like were at the same foster care and then they like got adopted separately or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's but, just strange yeah. that they waited until after the fact to make that connection rather than having Christian arrive on the scene and Jack Hyde being like, you know, I should I was in foster care. That should have been my family. Look, again, that that would have made it. Way more campier and better. But instead, that scene, they just came and went, and Rita Ora was never to be seen again. Well, yeah, and the, cl- sorry, <laughs> I mean, I'm not t- on this, but like, and like the climax of the scene. I think scene, you should be on this. The climax, nothing actually happens. You see like a Thank gun go you. off once, and then like everything is resolved. There's no like any actual tension. I, I disagree. I think the movie is tensionless. <laughs> I think there are a lot of loose plot threads that were never tied up. For example, when Christian finds out that Anna's pregnant. He goes off with the woman who molested him as a teenager for comfort and comes back drunk. And Anna finds the text message and that's what leads to the fight. Uh, was that ever resolved? But but that's <laughs> but that's why there's no tension, right? Like I was be- pretty tense, Aisha. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was not tense. I was just like, okay, we never even saw her. So it was just like we saw we, we only know that it happened because Anna saw he came home drunk and then she saw a text from her. And and then like it's never mentioned again. And to me, again, this is the movie undercutting itself at, at all the points where it should just like dig in and revel in the campiness and the terribleness. And, and it just like elides over it. I, I will say that last or the second, like the almost penultimate scene or whatever, where we find out this revelation about him and, and Jack being in the same foster care, like 
it, it was interesting to see them attempt to acknowledge his privilege in a way because uh, of course christian like feels terrible he's like that could have been me like if i had not been adopted by this incredibly wealthy family like that could have been me and i wouldn't have all of this <laughs> i wouldn't have this beautiful kitchen for us to like have sex on but then anna says but look what you built from all that <laughs> like really that's, that's like that's like uh ivanka telling her father like look what you built from your hunt your dad's millions and millions of dollars um no it, it but i mean that i think that was them awkwardly attempting to address the the privilege because she's like yes you you like you have all of this here but you're still a good guy and i'm just like uh no he's <laughs> that, not <laughs> that was some also real like stockholm syndrome at the end though she's like you're a man of honor she's you she treat a lot of well to compare him to <laughs> it's it's like him or jack hyde in yeah. this universe and didn't she have dad issues in the first one or am i making that up uh i think she had a, a good relationship okay okay i mean she does at one point say like i used to cut my dad's hair all the time he's like i don't want to be your dad I was like, okay. <laughs> that's <Good>. fair <laughs> good i'm glad uh should we dive into the montage at the very end of the movie <laughs> yes the the mythologizing <laughs> montage the montage at the very end where set to love me like you do love me love me like you do from, from the, the first movie. Shades theme song <laughs> um yeah anna looks in on christian this is right there is an epilogue but this is basically the last scene of the the movie um and she looks in on Christian. All of a sudden, we get a he's nice playing m- the piano, right? In is that, he in that moment? Yeah, probably. He's always playing the piano. <laughs> if but he's he not wearing his but sex he wasn't pants, singing. He's playing the piano. Um, yeah, she's sort of looking at him from afar with like a dreamy look in her eyes. And all of a sudden, we get a montage of scenes from previous movies, which range from you know their their meet cute where she stumbles in his office, um, some romantic moments, and also the scene from Fifty Shades Darker where he's working out on a pommel horse. <laughs> I was like, that's some great self-awareness of these movies that that was included in the romantic montage. Yeah, that was that was great. Seeing him out like outstretched like that just randomly (laughs) was great. I I was brought back to that moment and I felt great about it. But then there's an epilogue. We see them theoretically a couple years later and uh, they're very happy. They have a toddler and is pregnant again. That epilogue was just like the epilogue to uh, Notting Hill. Like child running in grass, <laughs> woman pregnant again, reading a book. Is it? Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it. It also maybe just it was an homage. Maybe it also just feels like that's the epilogue for a lot of these that's movies. True. There's like always, they're not necessarily always pregnant again, but like there's always like the toddler running either on the grass or in the house or you know. Yeah. And that's whatever. our way of they're communicating to us that it all worked out with Christian and fatherhood because I would have been worried otherwise but uh, he was a happy dad and obviously they're having another kid apparently that one near death experience for her was all it took for him to become a happy normal well adjusted husband which feels like the most unrealistic part of a very unrealistic movie it really was I mean isn't if forgive me if I'm remembering incorrectly but wasn't that also the helicopter sabotage didn't that lead him to propose to her in the second movie yes in Fifty Shades Darker Christian, we we learn in this movie his helicopter was sabotaged by Jack Hyde. Jack Hyde. Uh, but his <laughs> his helicopter, something goes wrong. He crashes. Uh, it's a very tense scene. But that experience is what pushes him to propose at the end of Fifty Shades Darker. So they just have a lot of near death experiences <laughs> driving their relationship. Which again is the weird thing because when it's different from BDSM, but then there are some parallels because it's like, why does it take these like near death experiences or like really violent moments to like decide, oh, wait, I want to go all in or, oh, wait, I want to fuck you right now. Like, because like- that's what straight love is like, <laughs> I assume. Poor Daniel. I've sat next to Daniel, our producer, during the screening. This was his first Fifty Shades movie. And at the end, he turned to me and was like, this is heterosexuality. No. No thanks. <laughs> yeah, if this is what straight love looks like, I am not interested. Uh, but that wasn't love. That was revenge. <laughs> that was a very fitting line. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So Marissa hung around uh, through the whole credits to see if there was another scene at the end. What were you hoping they might have used a final, final scene for? The house lights were still dim. So I just had it in my mind that even though we'd seen this scene of like, you know, two years later, everything was happy. I thought there was going to be another post credit scene. And then there was not. There was just the Universal logo. But Were you hoping for some BDSM? Yes. That's definitely not what I was thinking. I actually, I found myself very invested in the supporting characters in this movie. And there are a lot of loose threads. So I thought maybe a post-credit sequence would be seeing Christian's sister Mia, you know, happy and alive since we last saw her bound to a chair. Um, Or, you know, uh, Kate is... Anna's friend who she gets drinks with at one point in the movie and she actually becomes engaged to Christian's brother because everyone in this movie gets paired off at some point. Uh, I thought maybe we'd see their wedding at the end of the post credit sequence or even uh, Sawyer, my favorite personal bodyguard who <laughs> almost loses his job because he's bad at his job. <laughs> I know. Anna, he, Anna gets he, away he's from bad him. at babysitting her. Yeah, um, yeah he... I, I just, he and uh, one of the assistants at Anna's publishing house, uh, Hannah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, they, black, the one black person in this movie. Don't forget Prescott. I, oh, <laughs> shoot. How can I forget Prescott? Well, she like the only black women. She, she only saved Anna's life once. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, this is, there it absolutely is, all the main characters are white. But so, yes, I was very invested in Sawyer and Hannah and their little flirtation. Um, and I was disappointed that it did not. Come to that. Since I mean, everyone else in this movie gets Bodyguards off. don't have time for love. But there is a bad bodyguard. He has plenty of time <laughs> for love. Kind of the point of, of their relationship of Christian and Anna. Anna? Anna? Um, they're just completely invested in each other. Like, the side characters didn't matter. You know, the fact that his sister was bound and gagged to a chair was not as important to him as as her, um, as Anna. Um, and so, like... They've just gone off to live their lives together and just be like obsessed with each other and having sex with each other. There was a lot of sex. Uh, what was everyone's favorite moment from this movie? I I can start with mine. If everyone needs a, a minute. Mine was definitely uh, at one point, Anna and Christian are both having a sort of sleepless night because of all the drama going on in their life. And um, Christian gets out of bed shirtless, of course, uh, and he goes into the kitchen and he opens the fridge and something falls out and he picks it up and he turns around and Anna's behind him and he goes, oh, I was looking for you. Where? (laughs) Oh, he's in the fridge? (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, they have ice cream sex. Yeah, I think the ice cream sex was my favorite part of the movie. But as they were having ice cream sex and she's, you know, licking ice cream off of his body hair, which was quite an image, I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) wait, what? He was looking for her? This movie makes no sense. <laughs> but in a delightful way. What about you, Rachel? I was going to go with the ice cream sex scene because, like, there's something very unsexy about a lot of their sex um, and a lot of the, like, random sex that just comes straight out of an argument. Like, she's rolled her eyes, so they go to the red room or whatever. Um, and this was, like, an actual natural kind of cute sex scene. They like each other. Yeah, it's they do, the apparently. Where they seem to genuinely like each other. Yeah. What about you, Aisha? Uh, um, <laughs> there are just so many to choose from, I know. I have all my notes, and I'm, like, trying to decide. I, I'm trying to remember what I laugh. Like, I guffawed, I guffawed at one point. Uh, like, just like, <laughs> 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 And I don't remember which moment it was. But I, it, I think it might be, it might be the email part where he like comes in and he's like <laughs> after she had just gone through this whole thing about 
like this inner tor- turmoil about, oh, I want to keep my I'm going to keep my last name for emails because Hannah says professionally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Professionally. And, and you know, Hannah, her assistant is like, oh, and just, so you know, I changed. Also, what assumptions that Hannah made but like she's like oh yeah and I asked them to change your email from from steel to gray uh, without even asking her and she, and Anna was like no I I will I'll keep it steel for now and then like in the next scene uh Christian comes in and is just like he interrupts a meeting he, he interrupts her like meeting with a client or not a client but with her um one of her authors who's she's managing or editing and he's like where, what's happening? Where are you? You're, I emailed you at Anastasia Gray and nothing came up. And like, I was just like, Oh, good Lord. She, this, this movie, it's, and I think that also was like one of the few moments where it felt very obvious that that was supposed to be like a, like a funny, funny moment in, in a intentional way. That entire exchange about her last name, um, was, ridiculous like there was one other moment where she is like no I, I don't think I'm going to change my name and he's like you know it would mean a lot to me and she's like well, would you change your name for me and he's like yeah and I'm like great change it Christian <laughs> I also thought that was where it was going and then she's like oh Even okay though- I guess I'll think about it like what <laughs> make him do it make him yeah, call it. his bluff <laughs> or just keep your own friggin' oh. names like I don't I don't understand why that even needs to be a conversation or, but- or just like get that email address to redirect to a new one <laughs> <laughs> the IT solution come on Hannah <laughs> well so I think we've effectively spoiled this movie uh, Marissa it seems like you really like I- okay Marissa where would you rank this out of all of the movies? Uh, I would say that this was not as fun as Fifty Shades Darker, which is the second one, and which I think is um, sort of the height of wackiness in this series. It has, you know, helicopter crashes, which are immediately resolved in hilarious ways. Um, but I, I think this was a, a solid way to wrap it up. I mean, these are very faithful adaptations to the book, so I think that... Uh, people who who, lo- who sincerely love the books uh, will be very satisfied with Fifty Shades Freed. And as for everyone else, I think if you go in with your expectations in the right place, and uh, alcohol, you will be <laughs> and a little drunk. <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I I had it will, some alcohol. It will heighten <laughs> your pleasure. That was the joke I was gonna make. It will heighten your pleasure. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Well, I will be going home and watching the second one now that you've told me that the second one is is even funner because I loved this. I <laughs> I did. So as as someone who had like skipped and and it's been like three years since the first one came out. So like even not knowing everything and and not being up to speed, you could still enjoy it as a viewer. Yeah, I I enjoyed it as a movie about them having sex with some kind of background plot to keep it moving <laughs> well a good a good summary of 50 shades freed yeah a lot of sex a little bit of plot yeah yeah unfortunately you don't see that much but it's fine uh <laughs> actually we saw a lot more of like his like whatever it's not it's pubic like hair happy but trail. it's like yeah you saw way more happy <laughs> trail real close yeah really close it was like are we gonna no we don't see anything um anyway thank you marissa thank you aisha <laughs> thank you rachel thank you and thanks, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe to the Slate Spoiler Special podcast feed. And if you like the show, please rate and review it in the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have suggestions for movies or TV shows we should spoil, or if you have any other feedback you'd like to share, please send it to spoilers at slate.com. Our producer is Daniel Schrader. For Rachel and Marissa, I'm Aisha Harris. Thanks for listening.